Hello, and welcome to Voices from the Village, a podcast from the Wyoming Early Childhood Professional Learning Collaborative. It's often said that it takes a village to raise a child. Wyoming early childhood educators are an essential part of that village, and we've created this podcast to help invigorate and inspire your work. I'm your host, Nikki Baldwin, and today I am so excited to welcome two friends and colleagues for many years, and two of the best toddler teachers I've ever seen. Christy O'Flanagan and Shayla Limon are toddler teachers at the University of Wyoming Early Care and Education Center in Laramie. They have very unique jobs because they not only teach toddlers, but also university students that are placed in their classroom for practicum experiences and internships. It's very complicated work and they have become expert at it. So welcome ladies. Hi, thank you. Hi Nikki. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. Me too. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge that we, these are crazy times in your work because of COVID. Yes. And I just really appreciate you both making time to do this. As we talked earlier, and for our listeners, I hope this might be the case for you. When we're super embedded in this COVID experience and all of the stress that is placed on the shoulders of childcare providers during it, we're hoping that just also it's kind of nice to take a break and just think about ideas and about kids and be able to breathe for a minute and think about the things we love and why we do this work. So I hope this can be that experience for both of you. That sounds wonderful. Sounds great. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, um, I wanted to start off just introducing you both a little bit more to our (laughs) listeners. So Shayla and Christy, we figured this out the other day, have been teaching toddlers together. They have their own separate classrooms, but they've been the two toddler teachers at the ECEC now for eight years, right ladies? Yep. Yes. Do you want to tell everybody just a little bit more about your experiences and your interest in early childhood education? Like what led you to be where you are right now? And whoever wants to go first can just go for it. Okay. I can go for it. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I mean, this is going to sound really lame, but when I was first in college, I mean, in high school, my high school counselor gave me a book of all the degrees and said, pick one. And child development, which is my degree, was the only thing I even recognized. And I grew up with working with kids just in my family, it's babysitting. And so I thought that would be really cool to, to learn more about that um, mm-hmm. since it had been something I was doing with my life anyway. And so then actually once I got into college and started working through those classes and I actually worked at the UW Early Care and Education Center as an assistant and aide during undergrad. And that really like cemented my interest and my love in the field and of what I was doing. I remember those days back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Christy? So my story is a little different in that when I first started college, I was dead set on (laughs) becoming a physical therapist and working with young kids with disabilities. And I started getting into like all the science classes and I hated it. It just was not for me. (laughs) It (laughs) took all the fun out of it. And so I was at a dinner with some friends and uh, one of my friends had invited somebody else that I didn't know. And she told me her major was um, the family and consumer science child development. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. So Uh I kind of, I looked into it a little bit deeper and decided that was more in line with what I wanted to do because I didn't want to be within the public schools. I didn't want to go like the elementary ed route. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I mean, the university didn't have an option for early childhood at that point. So I went with the professional child development route. And then um, I actually did not work at the center as an undergrad, <laughs> but I did all my practicums here and uh -huh. was an intern. And so that just, it solidified what I wanted to do for sure. And then my first year out of college, I worked, I actually didn't work at the center. I worked at a different place working with kids with disabilities. And that was a lot of fun, but I knew I wanted my own classroom. So uh -huh. that led me to the center. Uh, and for our listeners, if you don't know, my previous position was at the Early Care and Education Center as curriculum coordinator. So I had the chance to work with these two ladies for a lot of years. Great, ladies, thank you for that background. That's really helpful. You're here today. One one of the reasons you're here today is because we brought in one of our favorite people to do a podcast interview about infants and toddlers. And Deb Curtis did the previous interview to this with me and talked a lot about infants and toddlers and also a lot of other brilliant things that she had to share with us. I wanted to share that she did some echo sessions for echo and early childhood education sessions that listeners you can still access at UW, just reach out to your professional learning facilitator if you want to listen to them after we've spoken. But Deb did a series of echo sessions, uh, I don't know, several years ago when I was still at the ECEC. They had a really big impact on our program and our thinking. And I just wanted to have you guys reflect back to that time. Can you just share what any, any of Deb's ideas that really stuck with you or that you think influenced us as a team or you in your own classroom? I mean, I think anything Deb says is just so <laughs> deep and so profound. And I think a big part of the impact for me personally was that <clears throat> she did talk about infants and toddlers and you mm -hmm. don't hear a lot of that. There's a lot of focus on preschoolers. And so yes. the fact that she focused on the infant toddlers and it was stuff that I could apply into my actual classroom Mm -hmm. um, I think that was huge for us to just be able to hear, hear that. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, for sure. I echo that because there's so much that we don't hear about toddlers, mm -hmm. especially toddlers and infants. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, a lot about early childhood too, but especially toddlers and infants. <laughs> One thing I will say that was a, a huge impact for me, and I know Shayla as well, was the initial I think it was the first echo session from her where mm -hmm. she talked about how the kids just need to move. And we had, I mean, up to that point for what, five, six years, our morning invitations, first thing in the morning, we wanted calm, we wanted quiet. Mm. And uh, we listened to that echo session and we just threw it to the wind. And <laughs> each of us then started trying gross motor things in the morning as mm -hmm. one of our morning invitations. And kids were so happy and the rest of the day just went so much smoother and I I mean I know that's something both Shayla and I still try and do every morning is offer some sort of movement for the kids right when they get there because that's what they need that's amazing I love that um great toddler teachers infant teachers out there keep that in mind okay I wanted to share just a couple of things that Deb and I spoke about and just have you guys respond to those. And so the first clip that we're gonna play is Deb talks about how she was observing in some classrooms and noticed that there were some things that teachers seemed to be missing, picking up on. And so I'm gonna pull up that clip here really quick. When you're out of the role of a teacher 
and you start watching children, it just becomes so clear how gracious children are with us, how competent they are, and how often teachers, not because they're not trying to be good teachers, but they just miss or dismiss what children are offering. Okay, ladies, um, and you've had a lot of experiences with new teachers, with students that have had their first experiences in classrooms. Can you relate to what she had to say and what are your thoughts about that? Very much so. I mean, when we were talking the other day, we had talked about how many hundreds, maybe even thousands of students that have come through both of our classrooms. And unless you really, I mean, have this knowledge of child development and then you don't really know to stop and observe. And Deb kind of talks about it in other parts of her interview, but just what you value and everybody comes in with different values. So what Mm -hmm. you value, like knowing whether to stop something, knowing whether to step in, it's always a bit tricky. And I think Mm -hmm. that's um, really tricky in a classroom with a bunch of different teachers and especially Mm -hmm. where we are because we have so many college students coming in and out. Uh And so it's, it's pretty tricky to get them all on the same page. Mm -hmm. But once you put in the hard work of getting them to stop and, you know, back off, let see what the toddlers can do, see what they're capable of, because they are capable of so much problem solving and talking to one another. And I mean, there's so much that Deb said that I just want to echo in relation to just stopping and noticing rather Mm -hmm. than talking over the toddlers, like really listening to what they're trying to say. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so hard to do oftentimes, even when it's like, you can't understand a kid and you're trying to get them, but really Uh slowing down and looking at their nonverbal cues as well. What are they trying to, what are they pointing at? What, what were you guys doing beforehand that led them to, you know, be rambling about this thing or, you know, (laughs) you know, babbling about this other thing. How can you pick up on those other cues to then engage with them? and knowing when to engage, like knowing when you need to step in and when you can just step back and watch. And that's hard. I mean, for me as a teacher, that's been really hard, but I've, I've learned a lot from Shayla, especially (laughs) out on the, like, especially outside on the playground, knowing when to step in and knowing when to watch and just be okay with what's happening. Uh Uh-huh. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I think think for me, I mean, I think one of the strengths of our curriculum is that observation is a big part of what we do. But I think Mm -hmm. even in the past couple years, that's something that I've tried to be more intentional about and not so much just the observations of what they're doing, but the reflection kind of like Christy was talking about, why are they doing this? Why are they interested in this? Why are they trying to tell me about that? And really trying to get in their mind about what's going on rather than imposing my own agenda or my own thoughts on how they're playing or why they're playing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's been, and I think the past couple of years is something that I'm really trying to be better about, be better about not imposing myself on, Mm -hmm. on that. And if I am, if I'm not just stepping back, like, am I entering their play in a way that follows what they're doing 
rather than changing it to what I want. And then uh-huh. also trying to be really transparent with staff about why I'm doing something or pointing out how kids are playing, not necessarily saying what they're doing, but how they're playing and trying to be more transparent with that. Because like mm-hmm. Christy said, we are trying to get staff on all the same page, but that falls a lot on the lead teacher of the classroom to mm-hmm. explain that development part of it. That's Those are brilliant. Let's do this again. Let's try one more. (laughs) Um, There's a concept that I think I remember Deb sharing this back in the days of those echo sessions. And then she just shared it beautifully in this interview. So I'm going to play this clip where Deb talks about stuff. And then I'll let you guys talk a little bit about that. And it was so powerful for me because what I realized what I'd been doing my whole career is focusing the children on stuff. That what the rules about stuff right? Mm -hmm. You know, he's got that stuff right now. So you can't take it. We Mm -hmm. have to share that stuff. Uh, Here, we'll do a timer and then you can have the stuff. It's all about the stuff. And I realized that's not what I value. I don't want kids to think it's the stuff that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. I want to help them see each other's ideas (laughs) and negotiate around the ideas. Okay, what are your thoughts about her insight about stuff and the things we tend to do with toddlers? Honestly, for me, this was a really impactful part of this interview for me. Um, One thing that I do really love about the early childhood field is that you're like there, you can always be learning. And so for me, this was a big learning moment because yes, I do value kids having experiences with each other and connecting with one, one another. And so when she said that, I was like, the way that I react to stuff in my classroom doesn't encourage that because it, I do. It's a lot of the like, tell them it's mine. You know, we have to share. Here's the timer. And so that was really impactful for me in like the way I think about my practice in the classroom and the way I can really change those experiences so that kids can find that connection with each other and connection Mm -hmm. is such a big deal and you know that's what they're looking for that's what humanity is looking for is connection (laughs) and so that listening to that and realizing that there's different ways I can I can phrase things or put into perspective around toys and stuff it I think that's going to change my whole mindset around that in the classroom. For sure. I mean, as Deb says many times in her interview, is it easy? No, (laughs) because this is something that, um, I mean, Shayla and I have talked about this quite a bit and there's been oftentimes where um, we want to see how the kids play even without any toys, without Uh any stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those are the days that are the happiest because they are able to just communicate and have that connection and share their ideas rather than the arguments over this stuff or Mm -hmm. the, you know, I want all of this or, you know, just any of that stuff. Um, So we had a lot of discussions about that. Do we also fall back into the tell them that's yours, tell them you're using that, you know, giving, trying to give kids language around standing up for themselves as well Mm -hmm. sure Um, yes we do it's it's a balance of that I would say 
because it's it's just so hard it's <laughs> early childhood is not easy you know uh-huh. it's not just playing all day but it is playing all day <laughs> you know yep. it's one of the it's so tricky and like Shayla said this this was very impactful because yeah. we do spend our whole day in conversation about the stuff about yeah. how we treat the stuff in our room <laughs> how rather than the connections with each other yeah you know well and I think kind of like what Christy was saying earlier a couple times a year generally I'll do a day where we just don't play with any toys or any stuff like Mm -hmm. just whatever gross motor whatever you know they can play with but and it's been it's been really insightful for me to watch them watch children playing like that where they can't just like go grab something off the shelf to entertain themselves and I will say that for like they'll play really well doing stuff for maybe the first 10 minutes and then there's this like time where they just you can see they're like okay well what do I do now (laughs) all this stuff that I have to fall back on and then if you can just if I and my staff can just persist through that for about five minutes generally Mm -hmm. then this whole new thing where like kids start actually like connecting with each other and playing with each other. And for those younger toddlers, you see a lot of that like mimicking each other, um, which they maybe wouldn't have done before because they could just go find something else to play with. And it's Mm -hmm. a lot easier to do that than to interact with somebody. And then for the older kids in our classrooms, they start really getting really imaginative, really creative with their dramatic play because they have to start thinking about other things. So it's been, I, you know, I don't do them often, but when I do, I love seeing what comes out of those days where we just don't use toys. Yeah. yeah. I love that you guys are opening up your, just opening up your mind and your space to just experiment a little bit with you it. You taught us that. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely taught us that. But I love it. That's so cool. I will say, um, in addition to that, like it's a huge training piece for the those staff in our room and to just be fully transparent and explain why we're doing it. And sometimes being able to explain it to your staff just really solidifies it within yourself too. Uh, yeah. You know, if you can explain something, then you know why you believe it. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I would say to make us look better or feel better. But I would say our staff really do, when we take the time to sit down and explain things, they they see it and they start to get it. And then that rolls over into other aspects of our day. Um, yeah. And even I if they it. don't necessarily get it, they at least don't question you as much and are like, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to figure this out with them. Um, yeah. It's not like, they feel clueless and no idea what's going on. They're at least trying to figure things out with you. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. Let's talk about that a little more. Actually, this is a good segue. I was going to ask you both about your role with teaching adults, because often I would say when, when new teachers come to the ECEC, they're there because they want to teach kids. Um, And then what's thrust upon you is you spend a lot of time teaching adults. So my question was, what have you learned about teaching adults in the last eight years? And secondarily, what have you learned about yourself and teaching adults in that time? I, 
I would say that for, you know, the first part of your career is really trying to figure out how to be in a classroom. Mm -hmm. So yes, I was working with staff, but for me, that was kind of secondary to like just figuring out how to be a teacher. The past few years, I've really seen the, import the importance of putting the time and effort into training staff and students as mm -hmm. well. Um, I think like the major impact and turning point for us was um, we were able to go to an, uh, an NAEYC um, conference and that conference, Christy and I both just kind of decided that we wanted to do more with mentoring. So we picked a lot of sessions that had to do with mentoring staff, working with getting them on the same page, getting them to buy into your classroom. So I think that was a really big turning point for us in what we were doing. Um, and then also for me, I, I have been working on an MBA and a lot of the cl classes in there are about behavior management, stuff like that. So that's mm -hmm. been really helpful for me as well. And I think that's a lot of where like the being transparent and really explaining things, why you're doing them, the research behind those things. I think just from those trainings and those things that I've done, that's what's really pushed me to really be transparent with that, with that information. But then mm -hmm. also... I mean, we say it with kids all the time, but meeting staff where they're at, giving information to them that's relevant now, relevant to them, and not trying to have them be clear up here when they're not ready for that, but just meeting them where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, that also helps with the frustration on our side mm -hmm. is when we're thinking in those terms, like, like the way we would think with kids. I've done quite a few book studies with you Lee, <laughs> over the past <laughs> few years about mentoring and leadership and all of that mm -hmm. and even continued as you took your new position. So yes, I have had quite an interest in mentoring <laughs> just because I do think it is one of the hardest parts of this job is, I mean, we came into this, like you said, wanting to work with kids and mm -hmm. knowing child development and it's just so different knowing how to work with college students uh -huh. but in some ways you it's the same like the way that you relay information the way that they need to hear things like Shayla said meeting them where they're at we do that mm -hmm. for kids why can we not do that for college students and I know we get frustrated here just simply because it's new staff every semester mm -hmm. um, but that's childcare everywhere it's, so staff turnover is pretty, pretty frequent. And so uh -huh. um, that's something that we all deal with is, okay, we have to start over and just understanding that and taking the time. It's hard, but it's so worth it. And it's hard work in the beginning, but worth it in the long run, for sure. Yeah. One thing I guess that I've learned to be over the years is a little more flexible I am so type A OCD about <laughs> everything that it was really hard for me for a long time to not like micromanage every little thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm still terrible at that, but um, being flexible and letting my staff show me what they can do mm -hmm. rather than just being like, 
breathing down their necks, <laughs> like uh-huh. do it this way, do it this way, do it this way. But they, they are all in this because they care about kids as well. And they have mm-hmm. something they want to share with us and share with the kids frequently. You know, I have staff yep. right now that are really, really awesome at having conversations with kids and just sharing life and that's really awesome rather than somebody that's going to sit next to a kid and not say anything. So mm-hmm. just being able to celebrate their differences and, you know, kind of tap into their strengths and know when they need to be pushed a little bit. Again, yeah. it is hard work. Mentoring is hard. You have to have hard conversations. You have to, you know, <laughs> call people out and, and reflect in on why you are asking certain things of people so you have to reflect on yourself why do I expect this of them why why am I doing it this way what needs to change what could change yeah that's a lot of really hard work but I love because it does make you more confident because you're being as Deb was talking about she wants us to make choices to know we're consciously making those choices instead of just doing things during the day right right okay then another question about your your years at the center what have you learned about teaching toddlers that stands out to you most? Like think about when you first arrived and where you're at now, what are some things you just like know about toddlers that you maybe didn't know before? For me, I would say toddlers can do more than I ever thought they could. I feel like every year, like I just start putting something into practice like maybe halfway through the year and I'm like, well, wait a second, they got it. Why couldn't I have you know, why didn't I trust them to do this earlier, you know? So I feel like every year it's like, oh yeah, I can trust them to, to take care of these things, to, you know, care about other kids, to care about the environment. Um, And so I think that's something that every year I'm like, oh yeah, light bulb. (laughs) Why haven't I been doing this all along? (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, that is Shayla and I talk about that quite frequently because, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, we get to the end of the year and we move half the kids up and we always feel like we have to start completely over, but they are so capable of mm-hmm. so much that we're like, I mean, yes, it's a new environment, new teachers, but really like they really can do so much. I would say, I mean, I knew this but toddlers get a bad rap. I mean, (laughs) you know, Deb even said it, like they don't have the best reputation. They're Mm -hmm. hard. They're trying to be independent and yet they're still the baby and Mm -hmm. all of that. So they're, they are challenging and they definitely push buttons. But the biggest thing for me is how fun they are. If you are able to pause, Uh if you're able to just pause and marvel and notice what they're doing they're so fun and they just honestly they just want to have a good time all the time (laughs) and connect with other people like Mm -hmm. every year I can say that my kids frequently just love to dance love to laugh love to sing and just love to be with each other they just Mm -hmm. they they beg for that connection you know Mm -hmm. and so and it's hard because you know, they're pushing buttons as well. So (laughs) that connection is kind of hard to get sometimes. So that would be the biggest thing I think that I would want to share about toddlers is that they are really awesome. 
and hard. <laughs> but once you get past the hard, I mean, it's it's fun. Yeah. And you get to just be, they're also the most forgiving out of mm-hmm. anyone. Like you can just be crazy and be so weird. And they're not going to sit there and be like, who are you? You know? Like, but, but they just love you. you. Yeah. They yeah. just love you for who you are as long as you're having a good time with them, you know, yeah. and genuinely interested in being in the moment with them. Mm-hmm. Let's talk um, a little bit about collaboration because you've said multiple times here that you guys have had the chance to talk through stuff. <laughs> and I think collaboration, another reason you're here is because you guys are really great collaborative partners. And that's something that I've really admired about you too. So can you just talk to our listeners a little bit about how that happened um, and how you guys support each other now? Like, how'd you end up because it doesn't always happen that way. You just happen to be sort of next door to each other in a classroom. Um, how did you end up relying upon each other as collaborative partners in your teaching? How about let's start there. <laughs> There's laughs all around for a listener who can't see. <laughs> yeah, I we're just, I don't know, racking my brain as to how we connected. I think the like Shayla's first year, we didn't really even talk. Mm-hmm. And, no. <laughs> and, and then the next year it was like, bam, we talked about everything and we uh-huh. shared kids and we shared ideas and it was just, um, I don't know if it was just, we needed a year, <laughs> I needed time to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the other thing is in this profession, people leave so frequently. So I yes. think part of it is also like, we both have barriers up, you know, I don't want to get close and be so connected that it's going to be horrible to leave, which now it is going to be horrible whenever (laughs) we have to not work together. Uh But, um, I mean, we, it just kind of fell into place. So we, during our breaks and our planning and lunch, we would just sit together and talk about our class and we share a playground. So we would just notice things together outside Mm -hmm. and we'd see what each other was doing in the classroom and we'd you know I'd be like that's a great idea I'm gonna steal it (laughs) Shayla would do the same and we'd Uh kind of talk about how our kids responded to those um, invitations Mm -hmm. and just different things it just kind of fell into place for us and now I mean you know Nikki but we we're pretty inseparable and (laughs) Now with COVID, we can't be together and it's very hard. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> hard. <laughs> I bet it is. Yeah. I mean, you guys even do, st- I mean, uh, one of the things I think is cool for our listeners is that I love that developed with you too, is you started doing staff meetings together. Like you started planning how you wanted to talk about things as a collective, which I thought was, that's a really powerful way to, um, because then multiple people are learning from more people. It just increases that collaboration. And I think it really increases the growth. So. What are your I thoughts, think, Shayla, about you two? Oh, go ahead, Chrissy. I, I just think I was going to say, I think after our first staff meeting where we had to do it separately, both of us were like, that went terrible because we just feed <laughs> off of each other and like one of us will say something. And I was yes. Like, yes, that spurs this. And then mm-hmm. between the two of us, everything that we want to share with our staff gets said. Yeah. And then when it's on just one of us, we were, we're both just like, so scatterbrained. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you can um, go, yeah. So, what do you think, Shayla? Anything else you want to add about I mean, your collaborative partnership? I was trying to think, like, 
like Christy said, I, I can't even pinpoint a time when we, like how it developed really. But I think one of the strengths between us, and I think probably with any collaborative team you'd have to have, but um, is that we're able to question each other. I think that's a big mm -hmm. thing for us is like, if I go and tell Christy, like <clears throat> I'm doing, I'm gonna take the purses out for this, this, and this reason, um, she might come back and be like, well, what if the kids are more interested in this? Or what if they're doing this because of this? And so I think for us, we've both gotten to the point where we can be really open with each other and really open with ourselves where we don't get defensive and think, oh, because she's questioning me, she mm -hmm. thinks I'm a bad teacher, that I'm making the wrong choice uh -huh. in my classroom, but that, you know, it makes me pause to reflect, am I doing this for the right reason, because I'm thinking the right thing or, mm -hmm. um, and if I, you know, because of that reflection, I can decide, yes, yes, I'm doing it because I know that this is the right thing for my classroom now, mm -hmm. or it might be, well, no, I can see where I was a little off base with that. So I can renegotiate that and figure out something else that might work better. So I think that's one thing that we've gotten really good about and that's been really helpful for both of us and then mm -hmm. taking that outside perspective because sometimes we just get so caught up in what we're doing and what we think that we do need that outside perspective as well. I think um, it does take work to create a relationship where you can do that but it's so worth it because you you grow in ways that you just cannot when you're just on your own so I think that's pretty amazing. For sure we I mean we've We've definitely had our fair share of not agreeing and then uh -huh. trying to do things on our own. <laughs> and uh -huh. It takes maybe what five days at the very most, <laughs> I think was the very most that we didn't collaborate and in the past seven years. <laughs> and it was like, okay, once we got through that, now it's like totally fine. And we just, I mean, like Shayla said, we call each other out all the time and we don't take offense to that. We know that the other person is just has our best interest at heart, mm -hmm. you know, and um, we, Shayla mentioned a lot with students, well, the kids, but we do it a lot with our staff too, mm -hmm. because that is one of the hardest parts of our job because we have so many practicum students and interns and then our college students on top of it, that uh -huh. it is hard, but we that is another huge piece of our collaboration is just mm -hmm. working with the college students. Yep. Well, I'm just glad you guys have each other. You can just keep this going. I mean, life happens to all of us, but I'm glad that you got each other here. And my, my thought is that if you ever end up teaching somewhere different, you're still going to be on the phone all the time. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I can't imagine you not doing that. Okay. Yeah. So we, it's, we're about out of time. I just want to sort of wrap things up. Um, Ladies, this is a professional learning podcast. And actually you have shared a ton about your learning already. But my final question for you is just this, like what's something you've learned recently that's just been on your brain? And it doesn't, it can be anything. Uh, it doesn't have to be work related. I'd love to know. I am trying to learn to paint. I kind ah. of picked this up over quarantine. Um, mm -hmm. I started doing watercolors and I've decided that for Christmas presents this year, I'm painting all my wrapping paper. So I have to learn to paint. 
through that as well. <laughs> awesome. That's really cool, Shayla. Can you have any, you're going to need to show me some of your stuff at some point. Okay. Be brave. <laughs> I <Sweet. will. laughs> How about you, Christy? That is super cool. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I should have gone first. <laughs> um, well, lately, let's see. I was, I kind of thought of a different, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. One that's ongoing is a lot of mentoring stuff, just because like I'm constantly reading books and learning new stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Other random things are I'm learning a lot about the election process <laughs> right now uh-huh. Uh-huh. and just government in general, because I definitely tuned those classes out. <laughs> I just had no desire, but it's funny. The older you get, you just you yes. want to pay attention more. <laughs> So I'm doing a lot of learning about, you know, what's happening with this election and Mm -hmm. the presidency and all of that, which has been very interesting. I never thought Mm -hmm. I would be interested in any of that. And then I would say the other, the last thing was, and I will say Shayla is doing this too, Uh um, is self-care because Mm -hmm. we frequently, I mean, just don't take care of ourselves so much of this profession is just give 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 yeah and Shayla and I I mean you know this we don't take days off ever Mm -hmm. (laughs) and for the first time in like my nine years and Shayla's eight years both of us took one day this semester as a mental health day to just so great take care of ourselves and so <laughs> even if it took us nine ten years to get here we're learning how to take care of ourselves and that you can't like you cannot expect to be a fabulous teacher if you are just drained so we are both learning that and we're both holding each other accountable with that yes that's so wise anybody who's listening please listen to that advice we all need to do it you guys that are doing direct care with kids you you really need this it's true ladies thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us today listeners i'm so happy to share the wisdom from our little village here in wyoming with all of you so glad that christy and shayla could be here and i just want to thank you both so thanks again for making time during this crazy time of course thanks for having us and Everybody, thank you for joining us on Voices from the Village. This podcast is made possible with support from the Federal Preschool Development Grant, and it's produced by the University of Wyoming Early Childhood Outreach Network. We recorded our interview today on Zoom. This podcast is directed and edited by Bryce Tugwell.